Hello everyone and welcome back to Bench Busted FPL. My name is Jack and I will be your host again for this week. And as always, I'm joined by Nick. Nick, how are you doing this week? I'm doing very well, Jack. The news is a bit slow for football, but I'm enjoying the sun. I'm enjoying the Olympics. I'm, I'm enjoying life, actually. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, like you say. I mean, still waiting for the Premier League to start. It's only two weeks away, Nick. Only two weeks away. And, and of course, it will kick off on Friday the 13th of August with that Brentford versus Arsenal game, which I will be intending in person Ooh. this season. And of course, I'm going to be doing my own little bit of a pre-season scouting, as it were, this weekend, because I will be going to the Brentford versus West Ham game, which is a friendly at the Brentford Stadium. So I am very much looking forward to that. I think Brentford, you know, they, they have been playing a few pre-season games as well, and they've been fielding a, a relatively strong team. So you can definitely bet that when we come to recording the episode next week, I'm going to try and, you know, give my lowdown on both teams involved, not just Brentford, but, you know, I'm going to keep one eye on some of the West Ham assets as well, because I think that there are some of those players who are certainly flying under the radar in terms of, you know, the the teams that you do see online on on social media. But um, yeah, I think this week as well, what we're going to be doing is, of course, rounding up our review of the ones to watch or, or our list of players of ones to watch from the second half of the Premier League table. We're going to be going in alphabetical order. So that will be us going from Liverpool down to Wolves. And uh, yeah, we're going to go through each team, have a look at maybe one or two of the players that we are keeping our eye on. Um, but before we get into that, Nick, have you been tinkering with your team at all over the last week or so? I know, you know, there's been... Not really a lot of communication between yourself and I over the last week, but I don't know. I think towards the end, or certainly when we were discussing it last week, you sounded fairly confident with your team overall. Have you stuck with it or have you made made a few changes to your team? I've done a tiny bit of tinkering. Uh, the, the stuff that doesn't matter is that I've, I've ch- chosen the, the chap who plays for Norwich as a 4.0 defender. I can't remember his name. It began with an O. I don't know why. <laughs> Randomness, I guess. Uh, the two things that do matter, I think, are that, that Lamptey is being reported to be a little bit injured, potentially won't make the start of the season. So I think to avoid that headache, I've upgraded him with my money that I had in the bank to Tierney, who looks to be part of an Arsenal side that, are, at least in pre-season anyway, instructed for the full-backs or the wing-backs, if they play a back five, to get quite far forwards. So I'm interested in that. I might want to slice that pie. Nothing's set in stone, though. And um, the other the other thing I've done is I, I've ditched Iannaccio for a different 7.5 striker, uh, Callum Wilson of Newcastle, because, well, I don't know, I've been sleeping on it, I've been thinking about it, and I'm not actually sure Iannaccio is going to start every game, and and, and that, that, that ain't right. That ain't what I'm interested in, you know. I, I'd rather just go for the proven asset is on penalties for, for Newcastle, because it feels like a safer start. It feels like safer hands to, to, to go with. All could change, of course, but those are the sort of the things that I've been tinkering with. Have you have you done anything yourself? Have you have you made any little old changes? So obviously, as you say, you know, Lamptey was in my team as well. The only switch really was just to move across to an alternative 4.5. Um, so I've gone from Lamptey over to Matt Lowton at Burnley. Um, again, I mean, he could literally be any other 4.5 million defender. Uh, I could even upgrade him. I've still got 1.5 million 
in the bank. I feel like that's maybe a bit too much to have in the bank at the start of the season, but it does mean that I am able to, you know, sort of uh, maneuver my way around the early season price changes that will inevitably happen. Um, I think all in all, I'm, I'm fairly happy with the way that my team is, is laid out. I think I'm sort of second guessing myself over some aspects of my team. I have been toying with the idea of going with the Liverpool double up at the back um, with Trent and Robertson. Certainly because I do have Luke Shaw in my team at the moment. And, and you know, we heard reports uh, about Luke Shaw playing through some of the games in the European competition with broken ribs and just playing through the pain barrier uh, with that England side. And, you know, 1.5 in the bank, I can upgrade him straight to Robertson. That will leave me with uh, no money left in the bank. But I think that having Trent, Robbo and, and Salah in the team, you know, would be nothing to laugh at, certainly given their relatively decent run of fixtures at the start of the season so there are some things that I've been looking at again you know it's I've been questioning myself about Calvert-Lewin whether or not I want to stick with him you know under new management is he going to be able to you know pick up where he left off last season and 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 be in and amongst the action from the get-go I don't know Everton again one of the teams with the more favorable start to the season but it's just uh just a matter of whether or not he will uh hit the ground running under Rafa Benitez apart from that I mean it's pretty much unchanged um I, I haven't actually made a lot of changes apart from that Matt Lowton one but I feel like we're still maybe a bit too far out of the season to actually get into the real nitty-gritty tinkering as it were so I could say I'm fairly happy with the team that I've got set up at the moment not many changes are going to happen perhaps between now and and the start of the season but who knows currently on a 3-4-3 that may change to a 3-5-2 I'm undecided that's fair enough I think it's very much one of those times where we are just waiting for a bit of just from the most information possible aren't we that's all we're doing we're just hanging in there holding holding a holding some teams together while we just sort of wait I think actually I was I was thinking about this I I might go back to Iannaccio if the Community Shield, which is actually a relatively competitive game, um, reveals that he's part of Brendan Rodgers' plans to be in the starting eleven. But otherwise, uh, gone for me. Just thought that was worth mentioning. I don't actually know when that is either, but presumably it's it's in a week's time. Yeah, it's normally the weekend before the Premier League season starts. That's a good point as well, as you say. I mean, that will certainly be the, I guess, first competitive fixture before the season actually begins that we will have anything to to go on. And of course, as you say, that will be between the likes of Leicester and, of course, Manchester City. So, I mean, maybe the Man City lineup is not going to be one that we can read too much into because we know how Pep likes to rotate his team. But certainly, as you say, from a Leicester point of view, I think that that's the, it will give us a very good insight as to how Brendan Rodgers is looking to set up his team, certainly at the start of the season. And I think as well, in terms of the rotation and stuff, the European competition's don't start until what like end of September October time I feel like certainly for the opening few weeks we may be tempted a bit to roll the dice as it were with some of the players from teams who would normally be rotated in and out for the European competitions but perhaps we don't have to worry about that when there is no European competition to worry about so yeah I think that that will give us certainly a better understanding of how those uh, teams will decide to set up. I think we'll get straight into it, Nick. And I think we'll start with Liverpool. And now, as I say, as I was talking to you before the podcast 
started. When it comes to picking a once-to-watch player from Liverpool, it could just be fairly obvious and we could go straight down the middle with the likes of Trent, the likes of Robertson, Salah even as well. You know, These are all obvious picks for a player to keep an eye on throughout the season, but I think that they are a bit too obvious, certainly for me. And my pick is Thiago. Ooh, ooh, interesting. Now, look, I understand that last season he didn't really feature that much for Liverpool and when he was playing he didn't look that great on the eye we know what kind of player he is in his time with Barcelona and of course Bayern Munich as well and I think as well the fact that now Genie Wijnaldum has vacated that midfield spot I think that that's certainly a spot that Thiago can fill with relative ease I think you know it looks like Liverpool will be sticking with their 4-3-3 formation uh, maybe go into a 4-2-3-1 if they do want to play uh, with the four attackers at, at some point. But I, I think that there's absolutely no reason why Thiago can't cement himself in that midfield three alongside the likes of, of Henderson. I mean, Fabinho might be in there from time to time now that Liverpool have uh, you know got some of their defenders back. Thiago, Henderson and Fabinho could form a fantastic holding unit in there and I think Thiago you know we've seen his range of passes as well maybe he's not featured as much as we would have hoped to see him feature in terms of the European competition with Spain but I do think that he has got that through ball in his locker you know he's always looking up trying to look forward trying to play the ball forward and as I say I think there's absolutely no reason why he can't fill the boots of, of Gini Wijnaldum and yeah I didn't want to be too obvious with my pick Nick, who is your pick from Liverpool? Ah, so we haven't picked the same per- person. I thought we might. I've gone for, again, for very similar reasons, out of positioning, more forward playing stuff. I've gone for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Okay. Who is in the game. He's a six mil midfielder in the game. But there were rumours that, that Klopp hasn't given up on him during the season. He's definitely not been sold at all or, or any transfer rumours at all. And then the rumours that he was training or retraining to play as a forward, as a, as a nine or a false nine, started coming out. And and that's very exciting, um, especially for an out-of-position midfielder for a top-four contending team. He has subsequently played in, in, in friendly games as a false nine or a nine, sort of depending on, on how you observe his position. And boy, that is... I mean, there's no stats, there's nothing about this but just the prospect of a potential six mil midf- midfielder playing as a forward for Liverpool, it gets me going. And I know that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain historically has actually been quite a good finisher. So keep an eye on that is my is what I'm saying. Keep an eye on that. He could end up playing as a forward in games, especially when it comes to the Africa Cup of Nations, when when Salah and Mane both go away for a couple of uh, a games. Oh, could be a great pick on a potential free hit or even just a couple of weeks punt around the time where there's going to be uh, rotation and lots of changes in teams. So he's my pick and I'm actually really happy with that one because that one could come to fruition. I could look like a genius. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think that, yeah, as as you say, you know, I have seen reports of him being pushed up further up the pitch. I think that that's maybe due to the fact that, you know, when you look at that Liverpool side as well, the only out-and-out central players that they have are, are Firmino and uh, and Origi, certainly from an attacking perspective. I know that, you know, at times last season, Jota would be going into that middle as well. Um, but I think that Jota is at a bit more risk of being rotated. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain can't step up to the plate. And as you say, I mean, if you can find someone who is not only playing out of position, but is at such a cheap 
price, uh, you know, cheaper than the likes of Rafinha and, and Buendia and is going to be getting forward and is going to have the likes of Salah and Mane supplying him with, you know, chances to, to get a, a shot on target, then yeah, he could be, he could be a great pick. Um, we are starting off with some heavy hitters in here as well, because of course, the next team that we need to talk about, Nick, is Manchester City. Nick, who is your player to watch from this Manchester City team of juggernauts? Uh, this is a harder one because every single player in this team, bar like Kevin De Bruyne, comes with a, they could be rotated. Um, <laughs> and I guess everyone, every single one of these players gets talked about as well. So it's it's hard to pick someone who could be good here. I'm toss up between a few and I think you'll pick another one that I was thinking about. So I won't mention them. But uh, for me, I'm saying Zinchenko. He's here as a 5.5 defender. And Pep likes him. Like Pep clearly, clearly rates him and thinks he's good. He trusts him in some of the big games as well, um, quite recently. And he's young. So I think that there's an opportunity here for Sinchenko to cement himself a place at left back when, especially as Walker's getting older um, and Cancelo may play at left, he may play at right, he may play in the midfield. There's sort of, and he may be out of favour because obviously, you know, he did drop out of some of the big games and he wasn't selected at certain times last season. And and I think, again, it's another situation where I'm saying the exact same thing. I ain't picking him for the start of the season. But with, <laughs> with more information, there's a real chance that, that Zinchenko could be someone that we're talking about very, um, very often and, and regularly sort of come game week 10, 15, when we're sort of maybe even wildcarding that sort of time. Um, I like him. We, we know what he can do. He's not owned at the moment. For good reason, but uh, give him a run of games, and he could be could be something special. Yeah, no, I I mean I I think what's interesting as well is certainly when in the European competition, you know, he was playing in that Ukrainian side as a left sided midfielder, and you know he was bombing down that left hand side for for Ukraine. I remember reading an article somewhere saying that you know he will be Pep's preferred left back going into this season I think you know he does have the likes of Mendy and and Cancelo as you say but yeah he could be a fantastic pick if he cements himself in that back line for Manchester City at only 5.5 someone who will be getting forward he could be great he could be absolutely phenomenal yeah I think he might have even scored a goal in in the European competition as well I know he did definitely picked up a, a couple of assists but I think I recall him actually scoring in that competition as well so yeah he could be a fantastic pick but my pick Nick Maybe a bit more obvious, but maybe not as obvious. Although, you know, as you say, I mean, all of these sort of midfield players all come with that caveat of, well, they may or may not play 100% of the time. And I'm and I'm happy to take a bit of a punt on Ferran Torres. Purely because as well, you know, he looked great in the European competition. You know, he scored a few goals in, in that. Um, and, and towards the end of last season as well, he was being used as a false nine as it were you know they had Aguero uh, out injured for the majority of last season Gabriel Jesus was in and out of the team as well I, I don't know what's going to happen with Harry Kane and that whole saga so we'll see what happens but if Manchester City find themselves in that situation again this season where they've only got Gabriel Jesus who is an out and out striker in their team I think Ferran Torres could quite comfortably fill that role I know that there are some other players in that midfield who can you know slot into that false nine the likes of Foden uh, Sterling as well but I just think that Ferran Torres if he can make that position his own at only seven million if he gets more game time under his belt you know he only played 
1200 1300 minutes last season and and I think a lot of that was coming off of the bench and, and slotting into that uh, either one of the wide positions. But I think towards the end of last season, we did see Pep start playing him from the beginning of games in, in that false nine role. And I think, I can't remember who it was against, but I know that he scored a hat-trick in a game last season. And, you know, why wouldn't you want to have someone of his pedigree in your team at 7 million? As I say, I'll reiterate this. That, that Manchester City attack, or not even just the attack, I mean the defenders as well, all open to rotation at any point. So it is a bit of a punt, but I just think that Ferran Torres can, can do the business, you know? Oh, I like it a lot. I actually thought you were going to mention him. He's, he's a bit like Alex, I would say, Chamberlain, isn't he? <laughs> but uh, a bit more reliable. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with Manchester City. Across the other side of Manchester then, we'll go to Manchester United. And look, again... In a similar vein to the last couple of teams, I think that there are obviously the the standout picks, the likes of Fernandez. You know, the the newly signed Sancho could come in and just blow everyone away. Um, you've even got Cavani in there as well, who I think could be a fantastic pick. But I think I'm going to have to go with your boy Luke Shaw. I mean, I know I mentioned him earlier that he may not start the season, or he may have, he may get a bit more rest between the European competition and coming back into the uh, Man United team and maybe he might even miss a few months if he does have to you know undergo some surgery on his uh, broken ribs but I think that he could be a fantastic asset this year I know that you have your questions about the Manchester United defence I think as well something that we need to mention obviously Rafael Varane the deal for him from Real Madrid I think it comes in at about 40 million pounds for Rafael Varane and when you can reinforce your back line with someone of that pedigree to go in alongside Harry Maguire I think that it certainly can well it certainly will increase your potential for clean sheets I think as we've seen with Luke Shaw as well you know he'd love to get forward down that left-hand side we saw it with England you know I mean he got five assists 10 clean sheets I know that it's not the upper echelon numbers of the likes of Robertson and Trent but I do think that you know if Sancho is utilised on that left-hand side as well, then I think that that England connection there can certainly come to fruition. Um, and like I say, maybe it's not really a ones to watch, but I, I think that certainly with this Man United side, bar the obvious sort of attacking picks, there aren't really too many standout players who are, in my mind, ones to watch. I think, you know, you look at his team selected by at the moment, 46.5%. And yeah, I mean, quite clearly, if he isn't going to be fit for the start of the season, then I can see that coming significantly down um, and maybe I'll have to change one of the defensive spots in my team. But I just think that, again, with the United fixtures to start the season, Leeds, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle, before they then take a bit of a bit of a tricky turn, he could be fantastic and, you know, he could pick up a, a few assists in those opening few fixtures. Uh, yeah, I, I like actually your vein of thinking because it's exactly what I've done as well. So... You said that I'm not sure about the United defence, and that's true. But there was another defence that I wasn't sure about last year, which was Chelsea's defence. And similarly, last year, they had a, a 5.0 keeper who, who came in. And as the season progressed, as they, well, became better defensively under Lampard, but then got in Tuchel, who's just an absolute class above, it, above him, Mendy opened up as a really good 5.0 goalkeeping option. And um, although he wasn't talked about as much because of Martinez, he, he outscored Martinez in the, in the back half of the season. I think that there could be a similar situation this year. And I'm picking Henderson, Dean Henderson, who's 5.0 goalkeeper as, as my pick, because 
I get very Mendy-esque vibes. If, if United, who have said that Henderson's going to be their number one keeper, um, if they don't rotate him as much as people are expecting, especially with the pricing of De Gea, you see that he's also at 5.0. Um, no one's really sure who he'll play. If Henderson is, as they say, number one, and he plays all of the games and their defence is shored up by by the introduction of Varane and obviously Wan-Bissaka and Maguire are quite good players anyway, it could be that he ends up being quite a steal and, and a good way to bail out of Sanchez if Sanchez isn't performing the way that sort of uh, we expect or, or hope for him. So I'm keeping an eye on that. It's Again, it's another one-to-watch situation. I, I would never in a million years pick Henderson as my, as my starting goalkeeper. <laughs> but when it comes to wildcard time, if Henderson's played the last 10 games and Man United do look defensively solid, he could be a very, very good option, right? He could be, he could be the pick. So um, he's my pick. Uh, for now as, as one to definitely keep an eye on could end up being someone that we talk about a lot more than again his 3.6 percent ownership suggests yeah no i mean as you say if the news is to be believed and if he will be starting the season as man united's number one it will definitely be interesting to see if reassuring themselves at the back with the likes of Varane alongside harry Maguire, whether or not that re- reaps the rewards in terms of the clean sheet points I think you know we're still yet to see what price Varane will come into in the game but I I suspect that he'll probably be added in as like a 5.5 defender I don't know I think Varane's a wait and see but yeah I think Henderson as you say if he can start off the season in that number one spot and if he can keep the number one spot away from David De Gea then there's absolutely no reason why later on down the line he wouldn't be a fantastic uh fantastic goalkeeper pick to as you say jump off of one of the cheaper options yeah a very very good pick a very astute pick from you nick oh thank you <laughs> we'll move on to one of the i would say more difficult teams to certainly one of the teams that i find it a bit more difficult to pick a an off normal one to watch as it were you know i'm trying to be a bit more different with the picks um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit back, relax, and I'm going to let you tell me who your pick from Newcastle is. Well, I'll tell you who it's not. <laughs> it's not one of the Longstaff brothers because I'm I'm incredibly aware that one of them could end up playing a lot. For, they're both 4.5 midfielders, and one of them could end up playing quite far forward as an attacking midfielder. But frankly, I can't tell the difference between the two, and <laughs> and I can't remember which is which. So I'm staying clear of that. I'm being a bit basic, Jack. I'm picking Almiron, um, who is actually 5.5. He's a mid. He is someone that every year I think to myself, oh, this year, if he really turns up, he could be could be the guy. He was actually Newcastle's second highest, play- highest scoring player last season. He's got no ownership at all. He's 0.6. It's basically just like his mum owns him. And he shows quality occasionally in spurts. He'll show quality in like an FA Cup game or like a random game against like Man City. And with the way that Newcastle started performing at the end of last season, where I think what happened behind the scenes is that Steve Bruce got in someone who could, who, who was a coach, basically, someone who knew what they were doing. Um, and Newcastle sort of turned it up a bit more in attack. I think, I think there's a chance that Newcastle come out firing. Obviously, there, there's a chance that they won't. I mean, I'm currently actually putting my money where my mouth is. And, and Wilson, as I said earlier, is in my team. And I think that one of the main beneficiaries of that could end up being Almiron rather than Saint Maximin, um, as as they sort of operate as a as a potentially as a front a front three. And um, I think it's worth a, I think it's worth not a punt maybe, but definitely worth watching. Because again, 
this is definitely going to be a season where enablers are gold dust and he could end up being a really cheap, really valuable enabler if, if Newcastle were the sort of team that can pull it together. So he's my pick. Again, as always, most of these are just sort of keep an eye. These guys could be good, but I think he's incredibly under the radar for someone who is so young and, and definitely has, well, sort of young, and definitely has talent, but absolutely no consistency. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that silence was because I'm just trying to, still in my head trying to look through this Newcastle list of players and, and decide. You're trying to work out which long staff is which. <laughs> Not even that. It's just, I'm tr- I think Almiron, you know, as you say, is a fantastic pick. Um, certainly as far as Newcastle go. I mean, Newcastle, one of few teams in the Premier League so far in the transfer window who haven't actually made any uh, improvements or additions to their squad. And I think that obviously with the the way that that team is run, maybe the uh, the finances are a bit more stringent there than they are uh, certainly some of the other top teams in the Premier League. And, and I can see them struggling to do business. Yeah, it's a bit difficult for me to try and to try and pick a Newcastle player. I mean, as I say, I'm looking through that list. And I mean, maybe Matt Ritchie. I don't know, mate. Honestly, I think that this is, this is sort of one of the ones that I was, as I, as I said to you, you know, I was going through the list of players that I put together before we started recording. And it's just difficult to pick any Newcastle player. I mean, I was... They're just all going to get relegated. <laughs> I don't think that they'll... I don't know. I, I just don't know about Newcastle. I think for me, unless you're going with Callum Wilson, I think that there are there are definitely better options in, in other teams at the similar prices. I think St. Maximan maybe in with a shout. A, if he can keep fit. B, if he was a midfielder, but he's a forward, so he won't be getting the added bonus of the clean sheet points. He won't be getting the extra point for goals. I, I just don't know in Newcastle, and I think that it's really a team that I'm gonna, I'm just going to have to abstain from because I just don't have a standout Newcastle option. I'm sorry. I, I just I can't do it. I can't bring myself to pick any of these Newcastle players because I don't think any of them are are going to be ones to watch, if I'm being honest. That is, that's my favourite pick so far. That's absolutely <laughs> my favourite pick so far. Like, just none of these guys are good enough. Love it. Absolutely love it. All of the all of our listeners from Tyneside now are just going to be uh, just wanting to, you know, unsubscribe, unfollow, just, you know, never listen to us again. Yeah, the Sunderland fans love it, though. So we're sort of we're winning in some markets. <laughs> that is true. That is true. We'll move on now to talk about one of the newly promoted sides in the Premier League this season. And that is, of course, Norwich. They, of course, had a stint in the Premier League a few seasons ago before being relegated. You know, you may remember the phrase pookie party. I mean, who can forget the pookie party when it was in full swing? I think, for me, certainly a player who I think is going to be in, in a few squads towards the start of the season. Someone who shone for Scotland at the European Championships just gone, and that is Billy Gilmore. 4.5 million as the enabler. Yes, I get it. There are some other standout picks in that midfield. But I just think that, you know, 4.5 million, he's been playing in the preseason. He looked fantastic for Scotland at such a young age as well. Um, he's on loan there from Chelsea. And as I say, you know, if, if, if he can nail down game time, he looks like he could be a set and forget 4.5 who's just chilling on your bench and, and you don't have to worry about really changing him at, at any point. I think as well in, I think maybe one or two of the preseason games that he's featured in, he was on corner taking duty. So whether or not that will carry over in 
to the Premier League this season is yet to be seen. But if if you're going to give me a 4.5 million midfielder who can potentially be taking corners and you know whipping the ball into the likes of Pookie and, and any other striker that they may go with, then I will be more than happy to to shake your hand and, and say, you know what, I'm going to accept Billy Gilmore. I know he's not in my team currently as a 4.5 million midfielder, but he may very well work his way into it. I think I'm just, again, erring on the side of caution, going with someone who is proven in the Premier League, as it were, and, and someone who is uh, going to be more or less getting game time and, and sort of almost guaranteed game time each week. But I think that Gilmore, as I say, if he can nail down that starting spot for this Norwich side, then he can be an absolutely fantastic pick. I uh, I like that. It, it sort of lines up with what I think about Norwich as well, which is that because they underperformed so, or because they performed so poorly in the Premier League last season, this season they've come into the league and they've got loads of budget options that could end up being good. Yeah. Um, my pick is Angus Gunn, who they've spent a lot of money on. He's a, he's a 4.0 goalkeeper and... I think that there's, a, there's almost an inevitability to, to Tim Krull getting injured at some point in the season, <laughs> which will probably make Gunn a starting 4.0 keeper. So, so I'm keeping an eye on him. Um, I sort of want to share this pick with, a, a, I know his name now. It's uh, Omo Bamadeli, who's a 4.0 defender, who looks like he might actually get serious game time as well for Norwich. She's definitely, if they play as part of a back five, he'll play. But I, I've rushed through them because the budget options are there. I think they're good budget options. I think that's basically the point of Norwich. I want to give you a one not to watch. I want to give you someone to close your eyes when they have the ball, to ignore them, do some art. Whatever you want to do, (laughs) ignore entirely Rashika, um, who... When I was when I was starting to, to really get into football in 2004, I decided to be a bit of a glory hunter, Jack, and I picked some teams to follow. Chelsea, of course, uh, uh, one big team for me. But uh, lesser known fact, big on Werder Bremen. They won the double in 2004, the league and the cup, and I was a huge fan. I've followed them on and off since. Rashika was a Werder Bremen player last season, um, part of the historic relegation season. For, for Werder Bremen and his pants. He's really, <laughs> really bad. He, he's he's a really bad player and he's overpriced in this game for some reason at 5.5 million for a midfielder. Frankly, disgusted. Ignore him entirely. That's what I'm saying about Norwich. Great picks for value, great picks for bench fodder sort of players because there's some lads here who, who might play, but crumbs. When it comes to Rashika, don't even look, don't even, don't even say his name. Don't even think about it. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Rashika is going to be banging in a hat trick in the first game of the season against Liverpool. So thank you for that, Nick. I'm going to get myself down to the bookies straight away, stick some money on a Rashika hat trick for the first game of the season on debut for Norwich. That'll be an absolutely amazing way to just lose all my money. Yeah, it will really work with my double Liverpool defence as well. I love it. <laughs> I think we'll move on to Southampton now. And again, Southampton, I think Southampton definitely have a bit more, or they certainly have a few more standout options than the likes of Newcastle, which I struggled with. But again, Nick, I'll let you do the honours first. Who is your player to watch from this Southampton side for this season? Oh man, you're going to love this one. I'm actually picking a Liverpool player. <laughs> <laughs> So in, in my quest to find good budget options, I've seen a lot of rumours which uh, may come true or may not come true um, to do with, uh, I think it's Neko Williams. 
going to to, to to Southampton. There's a couple Williamses as well, and they scare me. But I'm pretty confident it's Neko Williams, 4.0 defender, has been linked heavily with Southampton. Um, and that, for me, is absolutely something to watch because if he goes, he'll probably be a starter. They've recently offloaded uh, Ryan Bertrand, for example. That They're offloading players. And he could be, well, I mean, it speaks for itself, right? A 4.0 starting fullback for, for a Premier League team. I think it'd be a no-brainer to take him. So... For me, my standout Southampton player to watch is a Liverpool player, which is um, dangerous, Jack. It's a dangerous precedence to set. Uh, we didn't pick Grealish when it came to City, but uh, but that's where I'm going and that's where I stand with it. I actually I look at the Southampton team and I, and I feel a similar way to you do about to you about Newcastle, where I think that they are a team on the decline. They're a team with a manager who's sort of lost the room, the dressing room a little bit at times uh, as the season's gone on. And uh, doesn't know his best teams, so so I think personally, I'm going to stay away from from Southampton a lot this season, and hope that you talk about the one shining star at that club that I that I think is potentially a pick uh, as yours. So we'll see. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it is bold, as you say, to pick a a player who is uh, not actually on the team as your standout pick. I think I don't know if they've been linked with Necker Williams. I know they've been linked. I think that there were some rumours about Brandon Williams from, from Man United. Oh, have I got it wrong? Have I got the wrong player? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, mate. I mean, I know that Southampton's defence is not what it used to be. And, and, you know, I think that that comes as a symptom of the fact that they just keep selling their players to the likes of Liverpool. But yeah, uh, for me, as I say, I think that it was a bit easier to pick a player from this Southampton team than it was for me to not pick anyone from Newcastle because I think that there are some standout picks. I think the obvious choice would be James Ward-Prowse. He is their only decent player going forward, really. You know, he's got their free kicks in his locker. He's on, well, I guess Danny Ings is on penalties, but there's that whole contract saga going on with the likes of Danny Ings. So maybe James Ward-Prowse might be the, the go-to man uh, this season. But I've actually gone for Stuart Armstrong in that midfield. I think he's a lot more attack-minded than the likes of Ward-Prowse. Um, I think as well, you know, as I say, he gets forward quite a bit, scored four goals, got seven assists last season. Now, that's not fantastic numbers by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that he is going to be perhaps pushed further forward up the pitch. I think that there are some, certainly some notable mentions. Um, I think the likes of Nathan Teller deserves an honourable mention. I mean, if you're looking for someone who may or may not be getting more game time this season I think in the preseason he's definitely looked good for that Southampton side so far he's only 5.0 could be a good a good shout and yeah you know Che Adams if Danny Ings does look like he's on the way out of the club then Che Adams will be the the mainstay player in terms of that forward line and I think more so that may may even sway me to go with the likes of of Armstrong because I think that Armstrong then will be pushed even further up the pitch and, and if they are going to be you know going to a, a 4-4-2 that we have seen in in the past with that side with the likes of Ings and Adams up top then without any Ings there I think that still Armstrong can fill that role quite comfortably and, and I think that him and the likes of uh, Che Adams can form a very strong partnership for that uh, Southampton side. Yeah well I, I hoped that you'd say Armstrong actually. <laughs> I I I think he's the only one with elite stats. I'm just I'm just a bit nervous about him because he started last season at 5.5 and he's got a price increase this season for not doing a whole lot, to be honest, for, for not doing a whole lot. Um, so maybe someone at FPL Towers knows something and didn't want him to be too cheap. But but for me, 
he's got good stats. He, he has a bit of an injury problem, but uh, I think he's also sort of someone that I'm quite keen to keep an eye on too. I think we'll move on to Spurs now. And since I let you do the honours with the Southampton one, I'm going to name my Spurs player to watch first. Now, again, in a very similar vein to, well, I don't want to compare Spurs and Man City, but they do have quite a few options in, in the midfield. Um, and certainly, you know, with the likes of uh, Eric Lamella moving to, I think it was Seville. And of course, they've got Brian Hill coming in. It, it does maybe make it a bit more, I wouldn't say easier, but certainly in terms of players with experience in that side in the Premier League, I'm going to go and stick my neck out and say that Lucas Moura is going to be my player to watch for this season, purely based on the fact that Eric Lamella won't be there. It frees up another sort of wide attacking player spot um you know you, you're always going to have the likes of son in that team you know that guy just plays games for fun and you know he he was uh what was it i think last season at the start of the season he was uh you know he just came out of military training and he just i mean he virtually played every single minute of the season last year as well so i think i, I don't know how well son's output is going to be this season of course i think a lot of the spurs options do depend on the likes of uh, Harry Kane and whether or not he can stay in that team. But I do think that Lucas Moura, he's only 6.5 million as well. I mean, that's a price drop from where he was at the start of the season last year, from 7 million down to 6.5. And granted, you know, his numbers weren't amazing last season, so there's no reason why he would be at that same price. But I just think that, as I say, he's been at that team for a few seasons now. There is that spot open now. There is one less player to compete with, although Brian Hill coming into the side will potentially give him a bit of a battle for that spot. But I do think that if Kane was to stay there and you've got the likes of Son, Kane, Lucas in that attacking line, then there's absolutely no reason why he can't become more of an attacking player and more of a, a player who is going to be scoring goals on a bit more of a regular basis for them. Mm. I, I actually thought the same when I was looking at this, but my problem is that I'm thinking a lot about Nuno, and I know that this is something that I might have complained about before, and I think it is a bit to, to assume that a whole club's going to change just because they've changed manager, and a bunch of underperforming forwards might suddenly look a little bit better. So I've avoided like, the picks like Dele Alli, who... Frankly, he's just—he's not be his, his head's not been in the game for a long. He's more interested in esports, effectively, isn't he? <laughs> that's that's where he's at. And instead, I'm I'm gonna make the sin. I'm I'm going to say because of Nuno. But at 5.0, there are well, I'm gonna pick two players. I'm gonna pick Doherty and Regulon, uh, and an Aurea as well as a caveat because at least one of these players, possibly two of them, will end up as mainstays, mainstay fullbacks or wingbacks in in a team that could be coached quite well defensively and in positions that Nuno has developed, well, I mean, Doherty himself, right, has developed players to play very well in terms of FPL uh, output before in the past. And although I'm not as sold on it as some people seem to be online who are saying, this will be the resurgence of Doherty, this is going to be it, I actually think Regulon might be the player who goes who, who goes further forward and Doherty sits back. But... At 5.0, there could be some incredible bargains to be found here, is, is is sort of where I'm at. Again, absolutely want to caveat this with a not a chance any of these suckers are getting close to my team at the start of the season. <laughs> but there could, I mean, wildcard time, I think we'll definitely be talking about a Spurs defender as a, as, as a potential option. Although, 
it'll be amongst a bunch of other different defenders that we're also considering, especially when Tierney scores a goal every other game. Yeah, I mean, I think that certainly with a lot of the teams that have got new management in, it is very much going to come with that caveat of, you know, are they going to suit the system? Um, are they going to get consistent game time to, to allow them to become a viable pick? And as you say, I mean, start of the season for Spurs is a bit iffy. I mean, they, you know, inside the, the first six weeks, they do have to come up against City, Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, but over the sort of Christmas period and, and towards the Christmas period, there is a bit of a more favourable fixture swing, shall we say. So I think certainly if I was to pick any of those fullbacks at Spurs, um, I would potentially be leaning towards the likes of Doherty, just because, as you say, with that, with Nuno coming in now as their manager, that relationship that they struck up together when they were at Wolves, it could come back and, and really come to the fold in terms of FPL. And, and, you know, he was rarely used under Mourinho when he was there. And uh, I just think that, you know, if he can get back to the dizzying heights of the last couple of seasons uh, where he was at Wolves, um, then he could be a fantastic asset and five million could be a bit of a, well, it could be a bit of a steal if he does, uh, you know, continue to bomb forward, make runs into the box like we know he's capable of doing. So, yeah, fair point. Fair point with the uh, Spurs fullbacks. I mean, I don't know. The Spurs fullbacks, Spurs defensively always, always worry me. Whenever I, whenever I have a, a Spurs defender in my team, they just never seem to pick up any points. Certainly not any clean sheet points. But maybe that's just, again, a bit of a superstition. You know, maybe it's just something that I, I'm a bit superstitious about. Although I don't actually support Spurs and I have no love for Spurs. So maybe I should just, uh, yeah, you know, just throw caution to the wind and invest in the Spurs defence. Yeah, get them relegated, please. <laughs> we'll go over to the final newly promoted team now. And that is Watford. And, you know, Nick, I'm going to put you under pressure here because I know that you are not a massive fan or, you know, you, you don't care about the championship and I don't know how much you will know about this Watford side from last season but Nick who is your player to watch from this Watford team oh crumbs man this is a bit like that it's a good start isn't it this is a bit like when I when I got to Brentford and I knew about one and a half players from Brentford when it comes to Watford I know even less the the facts the facts that I have are, are that they were supposedly very good defensively in the championship last season, which I'm hoping you'll confirm, and that they have about 4,000 strikers who are all very cheap um, registered uh, in their team. So <laughs> so for me, at the moment, I I don't know anything about them. Right? I, I don't know anything about their defence, and, and I have been informed that they have wing-backs who all look good. I don't know anything about their attack, and... I actually don't think that even Watford fans know who's going to start up front for them, seeing as they've uh, recently acquired Josh King, who is is poor. So that's where I'm going to put my my flag. That's what I'm going to that's what I'm going to say here is is that I don't have anyone to watch from Watford. <laughs> I don't think I genuinely don't think that there will be a single player I consider at any point from Watford during the entire season because none of them are called Dale Lefeu <laughs> and uh, who oh man, what a legend, right? <laughs> and instead I'm going to say in the same vein as Rashika do not get Josh King whatever there are, I see right now there are 1% of people have that means 100,000 people have Josh King 100,000 people have gone Josh King's the one and I think you should just run away 
Don't even look at him. Don't touch him. Same, same, same deal as Rashika, I think. His stats are poor. He's poor. He looks poor. He's been off it for ages. He got, he got Bournemouth relegated. He didn't make an impression at Everton. And he's going to get Watford relegated too, just by being there in his presence. Um, and that's sort of my take on Watford. I, I haven't got a whole lot, Jack. I don't know anything about them, and I'm excited for you to sort of illuminate me actually on them with, with, with this next bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. I mean, they weren't. Oh, do, are you also are they an enigma? <laughs> no, they're, they're not an enigma, as you know. You know, I'm, I'm a massive advocate for Championship football, and and you know, having supported a Championship team for pretty much all of my life, then you know, I can try to enlighten you the best that I can. Um, but I do think, as you say, I think Watford are. Certainly a bit of a tricky one in in terms of their pedigree and their experience in the Premier League. I would say that they are definitely the most experienced team that has come up. You know, you look at that side as well and, and some names may stand out as being rather familiar. Obviously, the likes of Ismail Assar in that midfield, who definitely stands out as a player who, you know, if you are going to invest in a Watford asset, then I would say look no further than the likes of Ismail Assar. Um, I think... One player to keep an eye on as well is João Pedro, who, again, you may not may not have heard this name, but he did play quite a lot of football for Watford in the Championship last season. I think him and the likes of Ismail Assar were definitely the, the two players that were used the most, uh, playing 38 and 39 games, respectively, in a 46-game season. Obviously, Ismail Assar, his output was slightly higher than the likes of João Pedro. But if you really do fancy a pun and, and you're looking for a, a cheap forward who is going to get some game time, uh, he's not a 4.5. As I say, I think João Pedro is in there at 5.5 million. But he got nine goals, two assists last season, which, again, may not sound great. And, and he, I think he only played a, a few times uh, when they were in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago. But I do think that he could be a player to look out for. I think in terms of them defensively, their defence sort of changed when their new manager was appointed. I think Cisco Munoz is his name and, and certainly he shored them up a bit more defensively. Out of the 23 games that were played at home last season, they were certainly a lot better defensively at home than they were away from home. I think what's interesting about Watford as well, and I don't know how it's going to play out this season, they definitely rotated their goalkeepers quite a bit. They had the likes of Backman and... Foster and they were again they I think they each played 23 games last season so they were rotating the goalkeepers quite a bit whether or not that's going to happen again um, I think I can see Backman potentially nailing down that number one spot he, he looked good in the Euros as well I think for Austria so and as I say I mean there's no reason why Foster can't come into that team and, and have an impact and I think certainly a lot of other FPL managers may not be picking him on the basis that they're hoping that he's going to get game time, but certainly picking him on the fact that, you know, he's a nostalgic player when it comes to FBL, shall we say. You know, he's he's been in the game quite a few seasons now. I think it's, you know, 12 seasons or so that he's actually been in FBL. And for a lot of that time, when he was starting consistently, he would be picking up a decent amount of save points. And I still think that he's got it in him to, you know, force his way into becoming the out-and-out number one. As I say, I don't know if they're going to rotate like they did last season in the championship but who who knows I think Watford are certainly a, a team to to keep an eye on um and, and like I say I think the likes of Saar and Jao Pedro could definitely be two of the players to to watch for me we'll move on now to talk about West Ham and uh, again a bit of a weird team team that's going to be playing European football 
this season. Something that we may have to consider, certainly uh, down the line in, in FPL and, and the rotation and stuff. But I was a bit torn between two players here when it came to picking a player to, to watch out for. I think I'm going to go and I'm going to have to go in my gut and back a player who did so well for me last season. And that is Vladimir Sufal, 5.0. And, you know, he was an assist machine down that right-hand side for that team last season. As I say, maybe there is going to be a bit of a risk of rotation there. But I think that he and Creswell look fantastic in that side last season, as has Creswell over the last couple of seasons. But for Kufal to come in last season and get nine assists, nine clean sheets, and he just played phenomenally well at points as well. And and I think what makes me pick him over the likes of Aaron Creswell is just the fact that he's 0.5 cheaper. Um, yes, there is that less output that you get with him, but I just think that he was fantastic with me uh, at times last season. And there's absolutely no reason why he can't reproduce those numbers again. Oh, I knew you were going to pick him. I, I agree. <laughs> I actually think he's going to outperform Creswell too this season. My pick, not... Not not unobvious, I don't think. I think it's just a continuation of previous form. Is it, Jared Bowen? Um, I love an ex Hull City player because, uh, <laughs> well, you know, Robertson, Maguire—they're all they're they're nice boys. They're just nice boys. I think Jared Bowen's in that same vein where he went sort of under the radar last season at six point five. Uh, this season, as as a midfielder, uh, he's priced sort of almost appropriately considering the points he got, which was one hundred forty one. But there's something about him that suggests that he's going to... He's just going to improve. I think that's the best way to put it. He's hes really talented. And, and I say this about a couple of players, and, and this is not... Well, I've said this about a couple of players, and, and I think it applies to him as well, is that sometimes he does move like Hazard. And anyone who moves a little like Hazard just, just has a nice little spot in my heart. The problem is he plays for West Ham, who, who I just can't stand, and, and who... Um, just rub me up the wrong way, weirdly. And of course, the European rotation will kill them. And it could be that he starts or Ben Rama starts or any number of like other sort of attacking midfielders play in any sort of number of roles. But uh, they're even looking at sort of getting Tammy Abraham in as, as rotation. For me, I just like the way he plays. And, and I know that as a sort of almost an added bonus, there were times last season where almost not, like, not particularly well, but he was played as a false nine. Um, when Antonio was injured or, or when Antonio was tired in games. And I'd like to see that continue, especially from an FPL point of view, because it'd make him exciting to own. And I'm always looking out for a uh, midfielder playing as a, as a nine. But right now, of course, I'm not considering him at all. Keep an eye on him. He could end up in a good position. He, he could end up, a, especially if West Ham don't land another striker, if they don't land Abraham. He could end up being someone who I'm not going to say is actually good enough for a, for a team for any long period of time, but like a free hit, uh, a wild card uh, sort of situation where you've got like a week to take a punt on someone. If the fixtures line up and the timing is, is right for you, you don't want to get him in for a, run, a big run of games. But I think that there are, there are going to be streaks where he does very well. And jumping on those could be useful for sort of boosting your points or, or having a good game week. Yeah, I think Jared Bowen was certainly a player that, that stood out for me as well. You know, he was going to be my backup pick. And I'm glad that you talked about him because Yay! I do think that, you know, he could provide some great value if he is playing a bit more further forward. And, you know, we know how injury prone Mikhail Antonio is, although he's a fantastic, consistent performer in the Premier League over the last couple of years. We know that he... You know, he can be out for prolonged periods of time. And, and the same can be said about, you know, another alternative in that midfield, Andrei Yarmolenko, who really impressed at the European Championship 
uh, in the summer just gone. So I, I think that, you know, Yarmolenko, if he's not going to be getting, I think that he will be used a bit more often this season if he is fit. But if not, then I can see certainly see Jared Bowen slotting into that uh, number nine role if they don't, of course, sign a, a backup striker. We'll move on to the final team then and, and round up the podcast with Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, another team that we've talked about who are going to have a change in management. They're going to have a change in number one goalkeeper as well with Rui Patricio. I think he went, where did, where did he go? Did he go to Roma? Was it? He's teaming up with Jose Mourinho. Yeah, he's, he's gone He's gone to meet Jose. Whatever. Um, but they have brought in a fantastic replacement in Jose Sarr at 5.0. So if you do want to push the boat out a little bit and, and take a punt on that Wolverhampton goalkeeper, then I think he is a, a fantastic option. Um, I think, again, Wolves are one of the more difficult teams to sort of assess, as it were. And my player to keep an eye on, if he gets game time, you know, I have to caveat it with that, is Morgan Gibbs-White. I think he's been, you know, he was recalled from loan last season when they were lacking players in attack. I think that he's a fantastic young player. I think he might have been part of the under-17 England side who won the World Cup a few years back. And, you know, he has been, as I say, out on loan for for a couple of seasons, getting himself some experience in some of the uh, lower leagues in England. But there were certainly times last season when he was playing for Wolves that he did look like he he was easy on the eye, shall we say. He definitely looked impressive. I think in the preseason as well, over the last couple of fixtures, he has certainly been, again, been pushed forward a bit further. Um, I think with the likes of Neto and Podence out until whenever I think Podence may be back um, in a in a week or so. So he may be back for the start of the season, but I don't know if they will want to risk him um, towards the start of the season. But I think that Gibbs White could definitely find himself occupying a, an attacking position um, and supporting the likes of, of Raul Jimenez, who, I mean, it's so great to see Raul Jimenez back playing football for them, even though it is in preseason. It's just fantastic to see Raul Jimenez back on a football pitch. And again, I think... I don't know if you picked him, but I think for me, he definitely deserves an honourable mention. But I'm going with Morgan Gibbs-White. Oh, I'm very glad that you gave him an honourable mention because I haven't picked him, but I also wanted to do the same because I think, well, he, he's, he's got so much quality as Raul Menez that's um, bound to bound to come back strong, bound to be good, bound to be a pick that I'm actually considering even having over Wilson at the very start of the season. That's how into it I am. But uh, no, he's not my pick. My pick is... I, I mean, this should, this should be obvious, right? I just like a man that moves like Hazard. So I've, I've gone for Pudence. I think that it's not particularly unobvious again. The the reason I'm interested in the Wolves' attack is because they've got a new manager. They, they, I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm going to have a go at it. Um, it, it Bruno Lager, L-A-G-E. It could be it could be Lage, it could be Lige, but I'm saying Lager because I really want there to be a chant where they go, Lager, 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 <laughs> you know, the, the song. Um, he's coming in. And he is apparently, and I don't obviously know a lot about him, a very attacking manager who's going to really shake things up. And I think as a result of that, Jimenez, someone that I'm considering taking that initial punt on, Podence, who is also injured alongside Neto at the moment with a well, an expected return date of the 1st of August. So, you know, this weekend, I think could be an outrageously good pick at 5.5 as a midfielder if he's playing in an attacking team if he's getting the minutes if he continues to move like Hazard after his injury 
no-brainer for me. And I think I'll be at that point where, because I have two 6.5 midfielders in my team at the moment, I'll probably be moving one of them on. I can't imagine them both panning out or both staying injury-free for too long, especially in a world of COVID. And Podence will be right at the top of my list of players to... Is he there? Good. Is he playing? Yes. Is he looking great? He's straight in. So for me, it's it's easy. It's it's Podence. And I can't wait to see what he does when he's finally back from injury. Yeah, I think certainly a standout player for, for the both of us from, from last season. I think at, at times we either had Podence or Neto in our teams. And, you know, I think that certainly if they're not back and fit for the start of the season, it will be a big loss for, for that Wolverhampton side. I think Wolves are one of those, as, as I say, they're one of the more difficult teams to assess purely based on the fact that they have had a manager change and it may take a bit of time for for them to sort of adapt to the way that he's going to be wanting them to play. I think for me, what I've seen in the preseason is uh, Ryan Aitnori playing a bit further forward on the left-hand side for them. So he could be certainly someone who, uh, you know, if you're looking for a 4.5 defender who's potentially playing out of position he could certainly uh, fill that spot for you so I'm not particularly open to touching a Wolves defender but if they can bomb forward and get me attacking returns then why not as I say it's a uh, Wolves a bit of a, a bit of a difficult enigma to to try and crack at the moment Nick I think that that's where we're gonna have to end the podcast for this week we didn't talk about the relegation teams but I think that maybe we will uh, touch on that in the next week's episode and of course we will continue our build up to the start of the Premier League season but once again Nick thank you very much for joining me this week as always it's a pleasure